Welcome to the Outside Centre Film Podcast, Theo and Paul with you once again. Now then, Paul, at the end of the last episode, we promised that we'd, uh, we'd start this one with analysis of the Oscars. Problem is, is that we actually don't really want to do that anymore, do we? No, we don't want to do that. So, uh... <laughs> uh, because we made a lot of correct predictions, and normally the pair of us would be delighted to be right so much. But we were actually kind of very, very... Um... Disappointed that we were right. Oh, we were gutted we were right. Let's absolutely. be honest, we were absolutely devastated. Um, we didn't want to get any of them right. So in protest, we'll be boycotting that whole thing for another year. Indeed. Referring to it, if you don't mind, only as that which must not be named. Yes. So Paul, before we move on to this week's reviews, we will put this to bed finally. Very brief thoughts about couple of points about uh, overriding things. I mean, let's get this out out in the open. We were happy that McConaughey won. His speech was outstanding. One of the best Oscar winning speeches in a long time. Indeed. Very, very engaging. And actually, that made me want to watch his films Mm. a bit more. I was was that impressed with the way he handled himself. He's he's Um, a growing actor of stature, I think. And I think it was a nice start. And I, I look forward to the future work he makes. But again, as in with other actors that we'll we've talked about and talking about, there's a danger that, they, that they're a bit crap, they get a bit success, and then they go back to making purely commercial drivel. And I think the, the reason why McConaughey is better now is because he's moved away from the purely commercial to something that's a bit deeper and a bit harder. Yeah, and, and that's why he's got really good. The danger is he goes back to the same old drivel. Well, you think he's done so many... Crap rom-coms now. Absolutely. With, uh, you, uh, the, you think now that he's got success for, the, for someone that wasn't, then oh, of course that's just thinking about it logically and since when has Hollywood got any logic to it. Um, but anyway, yes, just one or two points from yourself and then I'll do some about just the overriding disappointment that you felt during the whole thing really. Uh, well, it, I think the disappointment is always when you get what you expect. Yeah. There's nothing particularly challenging or original to you in what you like and what you want. I think that was the biggest disappointment. Yeah. I think the fact that the Italian film... Uh, the Great Beauty. The Great Beauty one was was, was baffling, because I, I think even the uh, <laughs> the pole pop done by Blue Peter was much better <laughs> as, as a kind of original, interesting and challenging. But as we said, they went, this year was not the time for the original cinema. Yeah. It was the time for the money cinema. Absolutely. So, so and that had the biggest budget by far. It made, it made the most money by far. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, there are probably much more Italian-speaking people in Hollywood than there are Indeed. Uh, uh, people from <laughs> Vietnam. <laughs> so, Cambodia, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. Danish, so yeah. I think that's probably why. Who knows, know, so, yeah. You know. um, I'd like to make a point. Um, I'm very, very, very dis- well, I wasn't disappointed, I was angry that Frozen won animation. And I was even more angry that the best song was that exact song that I was moaning about in the last episode of the pod. I cannot believe... It. That has got to have been the worst song ever to have won, the best song at the Oscars. I mean, there's been some crap, like the Happy Feet song was fairly naff. Mm. The, the, um, the Rio one that didn't win, that was naff as well. But mm. that, that was a year when there was only like two nominations. So it was like, I don't, you know... It, fe- it, it kind of fell out, it fell out its own sword, that coin toss, that one. But generally speaking, the songs are quite good. Like, the one from Once, that was a pretty decent song. Absolutely. I like the Bjork song, obviously, from Dancer in the Dark, because it was yep. Lars von Trier and it's Bjork. Yep. Um, so generally speaking, that's one that they the, the tend not to, to mess up with, but my God. 
to award <laughs> that horrible Frozen song at the beginning of that awful animation to, it, as best song. It was bizarre that it was even nominated, in my yeah. view, and that it won was baffling, even against Ernest and Celestine, yeah. uh, which I know you're a big fan Indeed. of. I didn't particularly like, but it was ten times better yeah. than Frozen. So <laughs> it was just... that It was baffling. It was. Utterly baffling. Anyway, that's enough of... Um, that which must not be named for the for, for the will never be spoken of again. Not until next year, <laughs> providing we're both still going. Uh, hopefully, we will be actually. Um, anyway, let's um, move on to off. We're going to talk about Robert Downey Jr. at the end of the podcast, Paul. Indeed, it's your turn to a look back over something. Nobody has died. And well, here- somebody has died actually. Oh, well, yeah, Alan Re- uh, Rene. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> But I thought you might. You, you, you probably haven't seen that many films. You wouldn't dare make me you. talk about Alan Renate. So well, instead, you, you've, we, we decided to look back on somebody who isn't dead, Robert Downey Jr. As his podcast is going out, you should say. Are you getting, yeah, yeah, indeed, that's the podcast. But no, there's a man with a stellar career, um, and let, why not talk about him? We're going to talk about him later on, though. I'm um, going to kick off with this week's one of four reviews, starting with a, a German funded Saudi Arabian film by the name of uh, Wajda. Which uh, a series of first this films actually. It was the first film shot entirely in Saudi Arabia. It was uh, shot by a Saudi female as well, um, and it was the first ever entry in the uh, ceremony which must not be named mm. from Saudi Arabia. Um, I've got to say, I did enjoy this. Um, did you? It was a little. It was a little cliche. <laughs> it was a little cliche in places, um, and it reminded me an awful lot, I must say, of Children of Heaven. In that film, you've got a spunky young boy who wants a new pair of shoes. And in this this, um, film, you've got a spunky young girl who wants a bike. And the pair of them, in each of their respective films, basically want want to feel the need that they've got freedom to escape from the entrapment of their their relative societies. Um, And then, but what 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 I like about this one, compared to uh, in comparison to Children um, Children of Heaven, uh, and she's quite a controversial director. Um, Haifa al-Mansur hmm. um, is that she actually very openly explores the kind of the contradictions in, in uh, Islamic society hmm. um, so yes the film makes a massive point about how allegedly unhappy all of these women are having to make food for their men leave the food out the door then disappear uh, you know the difficulty of them working the difficulty of, of, of obviously walking about freely in society but she very openly again, as I've said she, she explores some of the contradictions like for example, the children, because um, she's a school child, this girl wants a bike. Yep. When they go to the schools, which are in, very interestingly barren, I must say, again, another trait of uh, females in Islamic society, um, she, th- there's a lot of contradictions in the sense of makeup for one, like how they are taught in the schools how you should look, what you should wear, and all the rest of it. And yet the teachers themselves are absolutely doled up. Glamorous. Glamorous and beautiful. Indeed. Um, there's lots of kind of long, opening, wide shots of vast open spaces that she's, tr- she's saying these are, these, these are the places that women are not allowed to go. And yet the contradiction being is that you wouldn't want to go to any of these places because Saudi Arabia is such a barren country. There's nothing for people to do there. Um, and the best of all for me is towards the end where you think that when eventually they both get what they want, you know, the, the wife of the child... She eventually is without her husband in the end. He leaves. Um, or she chooses to leave him. And she, and the, the child gets the bike. And you think, right, that's it then. End of film. Everyone's happy. And yet it doesn't end like that. There's a very telling fireworks scene towards the end, which, is, which I thought was really interesting, where the, the wife in particular looks very, very miserable about what's happened. 
And then when she, then when the child, um, when she rides her bike towards the the big open road that's that's in Saudi Arabia somewhere, she turns around. So that's what I enjoy most about the film. I would like to have seen this put on the list for that which that which must not be named for the simple reason that fe- I don't think female directors are getting a fair crack in Hollywood. And whilst this isn't as good as three, of the, well, two of the films on that list that we've, we've talked about already, I think it would have been nice to kind of give people from that side of the world the encouragement to say, hey, make a film. This, this woman has. Controversially, but she's done it. It's been relatively successful. And then see what happens. Whereas what with, what with giving Catherine Bigelow the Oscar for The Hurt Locker, all that basically said was, hello, female directors, you too can win an Oscar if you basically have a partner in Hollywood for, the, yeah. for about 12 years. And make some awful uh, pro-war film. Indeed. Which so is dreadful. That, those are a few reasons why I enjoyed this, um, and I can tell you didn't. It's not that I didn't. Uh, I, I like the... Uh, Vadger is the girl's name, yeah. the, the main character. Yeah. And I quite liked her, and I quite liked all of it, but I didn't really like it as a whole. No. Uh, I thought, and again, you mentioned that it was similar to another one. Yeah, Children of Heaven, yeah. And it was. And it so was. I thought I'd seen this before. Absolutely, yeah. And it was the kind, it's a kind of, it's a very old-fashioned kind of uh, film that American indie film of the 70s might have been a bit like. Mm. You know, very simple stories. And I know there's an immense depth to it if you are of that culture. What it's exploring about... Uh, patriarchy in Islamic society, the treatment of women, and it's not being too critical, but it is being highly critical, the role of children, women, the relationships with men. For example, that she, the director, she couldn't direct the outside scenes yeah. herself. She had to do it from inside a van yeah. because she couldn't be seen to have... You know, and there's things like that, and that... That, and I think that's actually in the movie is, as yeah. well, that the depth of that. But again, all religion baffles me, personally. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I, I have a lot of problems, so it's not particularly Islam, but all religions and some of their rules baffle me. And I clearly understand that they're, they're culturally necessary in the evolution of a society. You know, Christian rules, you know, the Ten Commandments. If you're living in a close community, you need to create walls for harmony so you can survive. Yeah. And so they're necessary. But I think it, it, I liked all the bits you picked out. Yeah. I did really like. Uh, but again, the whole of it, I thought, well, you know, you knew where it was going to go. There was a couple of original twists and turns, but you'd seen it before. And equally, I wanted, I wanted something in a way... And I know it was probably very brave in itself, but I wanted something braver. And I thought that the the bike probably wasn't enough for me to challenge it because I think it would have left too many people just enjoying it as a story yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than as a deeper metaphor for yeah. what I think it was trying to say about you know Saudi Arabian society. And I think it didn't have enough that you could didn't not... Have enough, didn't have enough grit for you. Yeah that you couldn't yeah. just see it as a nice story. Now, I know lots of people who watch films that are deeply meaningful and metaphorical who end up seeing them as not that, but just as a story. Yeah. Because in a way, the story is just too nice. Mm. And that's what they suffer from. Yeah, but uh, I, get, I, it was, I would agree with you totally, but the contradictions are very, very clearly there. Yeah. And I enjoy seeing them. And obviously, as you say, of course it couldn't have been a bit harsher. 
But I think she went as I think she went as as hot, as far as she could have gone in this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree. I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing that more would have been better. Absolutely not. Yeah. That would have been fantastic. But I think she pretty much broke as many boundaries as she could, even within the realms of being inside of a van, for instance. She did all that, uh, and I'm sure she would have quite easily tried to step out of the van. Herself, indeed, indeed. Uh, just to you know, but um, it. Yeah, there's no, there's no two ways about it. This, this is not a revolutionary piece of cinema. Yeah. I wonder if part of that is also because, clearly, cinema from that part of the world, it may have a, a deep history that neither of us or most of our listeners know about. But whether it advances or not, it pretty much depends on what access they have to other countries' cinema. Yeah. And you, you get the impression that, that there is very, very little American influence in Saudi Arabian cinema, generally. They won't get it, they won't seek it, they won't look for it. Yeah. Um, so for true, and, and it's such a shame to use American cinema as, as a barometer of how a country has developed cinema-wise, but that is the case. Yeah. Like we talked about with um, the Broken Circle Breakdown. Um, so... I, I, I feel like I'm making excuses for it. I'm trying not to. No, no, because I think everything you say is valid, and I think, and it is. It's a nice film. Yeah, and and, and it is the second best film of the week for me. Uh, and and I did enjoy it, and I, I quite liked watching it, but it just didn't grab me in a no, way no. that a really good film. But was. it's a it, it's a perfect little Sunday afternoon yeah. film, isn't and it? I, I would recommend you know. it. And again, if you want to see something a little bit different. Uh, that's that, that's not violent or gory. You can watch with your kids and and perhaps even teach your kids stuff about you know different moralities and and wants and desires. I, I think it's perfect, and I, I did I enjoyed it, and I I would recommend it for people to watch. Yeah, it's um, certainly interesting, and I'll be interested in seeing what she does next. Yes, because th- this is this is the film for the Western audience, is it not? This yeah. is this is what our country's like. This is what we have to put up with. But don't feel sorry for us. That's what she's basically yeah. saying. And I'm sure if you're if you're if you're a Saudi, watching it in Saudi Arabia, it's a very challenging film and a very confrontational Absolutely, film in yeah. many respects. And in a way, that's good. But of course, I'm, I'm a Westerner living Western society. We want more, and yeah. I, I'm not going to see it like no, that. no. In we... fact, I'm going to probably see it in a way that's a lot more negative towards it and the country that she probably doesn't necessarily mean. But, no. but again, I'd recommend it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's sure. good. I enjoyed it. And, and and again, you're talking about the thing we won't mention. It's <laughs> better than some of the things on that list. So again, I, I agree with you. Yeah, indeed. Uh... Wedge does that one. Moving on to the second one then, Mood Indigo, Paul. Mood Indigo. Well, as you can see, I've got me little bits of paper here to talk about that one uh, that I've downloaded. (laughs) I've got two sentences, though, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) And and coming back to the thing that we won't mention either, I think if if, uh, the Italian film and the others, this should have been nominated. And again, not because I think it should win, because I think it's, it's it's a fantastically interesting movie. I didn't enjoy it, and I don't particularly <laughs> like it. <clears throat> and it is my best film of the of week. But and I think <clears throat> I think if I tell you what it's about, it's ba- and I think the IMDb thing uh, description, which is one line: a woman suffers from an unusual illness caused by a flower growing in her lungs. And it, it's a very French film. Uh, it's it's a big budget film made by. Michel Gondry, who did Sunshine of the Eternal Mind, Indeed, didn't he? Yeah. So, which I didn't particularly like. I didn't mind that because it, because it was it was actually quite minimalistic for him. Yeah, well, so <laughs> uh, compared to this, there were no subtitles, so you didn't have to. You could look away, but that one. Where's you come with this one? And it's got Audrey Tattoo out of Amelie. It's got Gad Elmuller, who I really do like as yeah. a French comedian. I think he's done quite a lot of stuff. He's appearing in a lot more popular uh, kind of 
uh, rom-coms now that are a bit crap. Well, wasn't the black actor from The Untouchables in, or was I imagining? That's it, no, yeah. that was him, Omar Sy. Omar Sy, yeah. who, who's really hit it big. But I think the key thing is, is, is it's, it's, I was going to say it's a completely surreal film, but it's not surreal. It's made under the notion of pataphysics, <laughs> which was uh, <laughs> a philosophy of media theory that was developed by Alfred Jarry uh, when he was in, in, at the turn of the century, 1900, around that time. And just read a couple of things, because, again, people will go and see this, and I think if you know this, it's a much more enjoyable film. I didn't know it yeah. till I looked it up after. Right. Yeah. And I think I would have enjoyed it in more. Again, it's still a deeply problematic film. But the thing about pataphysics is it believes in a pataphor, not metaphors. And I'll read you what it says. A pataphor is an unusually extended metaphor based on pataphysics. As Alfred Jarre claimed that pataphysics exists as far from metaphysics as metaphysics extends from regular reality. So therefore, a pataphor attempts to create a figure of speech that exists as far from metaphor as metaphor exists from non-figurative language. And then taking it a step further... Do we have to? Yes, because <laughs> I, think, I think it helps to understand it. <clears throat> I, I think the fact you have to say you have to make any film watchable by reading this schmuck. No, that's true. It speaks volumes uh, about how bad this film that. was. So, and when we talk about it in detail, I think people will get what we mean. Whereas a metaphor, a metaphor is a comparative of a real object or event with a seemingly unrelated subject in order to emphasise the similarities between the two. The pataphor uses the newly created metaphorical similarity as a reality on which to base itself. In going beyond mere ornamentation of the original idea, the pataphor seeks to describe a new and separate world in which an idea or aspect takes on a life of, a re- a life of its own. So the metaphor... Isn't that just alternate reality? No, because it's saying the metaphor becomes the reality. So if you're comparing two things, it doesn't compare them. It makes the thing that you're comparing it with the the thing the reality so for example when it when it's talking in in one scene for example he's being followed by his shadow and that was the best scene in it and the shadow comes alive and chases him so that you've got that kind of separate reality of the shadow that becomes real right. and part of of the narrative structure and the story and everything in the film is that mm. And that's its problem. Because it becomes nothing other than a race to create every single idea in it as a reality. Every single scene, isn't it? Every, not just scene, everything within that scene. The doorbell coming alive, chasing to them. That's a cockroach kind of thing, yeah. Absolutely. And so it becomes... The chef passing something through the TV screen. Absolutely. To the guy cooking. Everything becomes real. Now, as a theory... That's an interesting idea. And I think in a novel where you're playing with that, again, an interesting idea. But when it is all it is, it becomes the most saltifying, soul-destroying experience of watching a film. And in a way, so in a way, the film is dreadful because it is only that. But equally, it was a fascinating film to watch to see a truly creative mind 
bring to life metaphors within a narrative structure. Mm. But it's what killed the film. So the woman gets a lung disease from, you know, the air, something blowing in it. And it becomes, instead of like a disease, it's a flower, it's a growth. It's a living thing that's suffocating her. And it's nature. And everything in nature dies, and so then this kills her. But again, it's it's a very long film. It felt it. Two hours, ten minutes. And you just... it's. This sounds terrible, but I think if you take E or <laughs> some acid before you go in, it'll be a much better film because the colours, the experiences. So this woman gets this disease, then the bloke who she's married, who has endless amounts of money, has to spend all his money in the most bizarre ways. Uh, so when they take x-rays, they're kind of 3D living things and you see the flower as an x-ray growing in her but absolutely everything. The fish on the plate is moving and living and, and trying to not be caught and et. The whole notion of piano tail. Yeah. Making a cocktail by playing a tune on the piano. Just absolutely. It's, so, it's, so in a way, you talk about a musical piece being a cocktail of ideas. Yeah. So he's, he's, literally, he's literally, literally done it. Yeah. So this guy makes a piano, you play in his money, and it makes drinks. Whatever different things you play on it, you make drinks. Uh which again is a fantastic idea, but just boom, 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 Constant. all the time. He's like, oh, give well, me a break, first, man. Give first, me a break. First time I tried to watch this, it stopped after seven minutes. I got to the point when the doorbell turned into a cockroach, and the, and the two people shook hands, and both their hands kind of, kind well, of robotized around each yeah. other. But well, I, I, I stopped watching it after a few minutes, but I, I kept going back to it, and it, and I think it's not an enjoyable film. <laughs> And, and again, one of the things about the writer, uh, Vian, I think his name is, what's his name? Uh, he's the writer of it. He's a well-known French legend who wrote, uh, he was translated Raymond uh, Carver, not Raymond Carver, Raymond Chandler. He was a jazz musician. So there's, and all of his life is in this, in this film because it was in the original novel. And he was a very eclectic guy and he throws everything in and he was in with the Sartres and the de Beauvoirs and whatever. He's very controversial but again, it was just, oh, give me a break. Give me a break. Yeah, I, and then the second time I went back to it, I got a few minutes longer, 10 minutes, <laughs> and then I switched off. And then, and then, and then that, I thought, no, that's it. It's, it, it, it's just, very simply, it's not for me. Yeah. I, I do not like overly arty French films. I never have, and I can't imagine when I will. The next one we're going to talk about, that's right in the middle ground. It's much more safe. It's much more... I want to say predictable because I was I was present, present. We'll move on to it very very shortly. Mm. But um, I w- I was quite happy to watch that. What I really lo- enjoyed, as I said to you before, was early one morning. Now we looked at that last year. Yeah. Totally minimalist. I think there was maybe five seconds of music all the way through. Yeah. Join the join the join the film. Brutal, honest. The times gut wrenching. Fantastic French cinema. And that actually is something that they, I think they need to make more of, and they, are, and they are making more of. They are going the more traditional way rather than just making everything about flowers and beautiful camera effects and all that. Um, unlike, unlike the next one, which we're going to move on to. Well, let me, let me just say about the, the, the Mood Indigo one, which is called Les Coupes des Jeux in French. I, I think if you're French... And you've grown up with all of that knowledge of this thing. And I think a lot of French people have, because of their literature and their culture, they will enjoy it. And I think if, if you are going to go and see this, I would say do a bit of research beforehand. And again, 
that's not a good sign for a film. Absolutely. Not. But if you do that and you are going to go and see it, you will enjoy it more. It's like it's like, it's like um, the fin- the finished film that we reviewed last year, yeah. the Hijack that went south. It helps for you to read up on who that character was, what it exa- again. And if you're finished and you will have remembered that as one of the incidents, you know, like if we make a film about you know Michael Ryan in Hungerford or whatever, or whatever, we are, you don't know who that is, but I will remember it, <laughs> and I'll think, oh yeah, that's really, I remember it, and I think that's true of this that makes it. And I would, and again, it is my film of the week. Indeed. Because it's. So There's nothing about you, really. It, yeah, but it is interesting. But I didn't like watching it, and I kept wanting to give it up, but I stuck with it. And I think if you. This one more than most is for, is for fans from the nation of its birth. Yeah, I think if you, if you like Sunshine Over Eternal Mind and you like that being inside the head of John Malkovich where things just yeah. suddenly veer off in crazy ways. But that had something. It had a narrative in, that yeah, you could get that into that and enjoy. Follow, yeah, right? and I think it wasn't it wasn't 100% doing that. And that's this problem. The character, I think if the, you like them, you'll The like characters in Mood Indigo are kind of so... They're, they're on a constant sugar rush, basically. Yeah. And it's impossi- it, it was impossible for me to care one iota about what was happening. Yeah. And I didn't care. No, I didn't care because because again, you, to care you've got to think that you're the people making it care, and I didn't think they did. What they cared about was the was the playing with the ideas it, that they were doing, which I wouldn't mind if there was something for me to hang on to, but yeah. there wasn't. Yeah, and I, I think I can understand why you didn't like it, and I didn't like it. Yeah. But it is my film of the Indeed. week, which we all realise when we start talking about the next two. Yeah, yeah, love is in the air. <laughs> but one of the only times where I actually prefer the French title for a French film than than, than the English one. Amour and Turbulences, we should call it. Indeed. Lovers in the Air. Tell us about that one, Paul. Well, basically, it's about a young couple who, who fall in love, but it doesn't start there. They, they've separated and they've gone their own ways, and then they meet on a plane going from New York to Paris. And on the length of the journey, the film is enti- almost entirely flashback, except the beginning and the end, uh, where you discover their relationship. Uh, and it, they... Whether they will, you know, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, they meet on a plane, will he get the girl back as they tell the story? I think that's, that's basically it. Would you agree? I would agree. Um, it's nothing revolutionary whatsoever, is it? Indeed. But I liked it. And it's, and, it's, it. and it's my second favourite film of the week. You surprised me. I, no, it's, I'm surprised. As soon as it kicked open and the, the, the swirly little subtitles came um, and I thought, oh dear me. <laughs> It's going to be one of the... I've already tried to get through one French arty movie. But it was simply well acted. It was simply well written. It wasn't too arty. The writing was actually quite sharp. Um, Wasn't too long. Wasn't too long. It was was a decent rom-com. Without too much rom in it. And I I, I always prefer rom-coms that are about the com rather than the rom. And this, this, this ticked all of my very, very specific boxes for this type of film. And I liked I liked a lot of the characters on the plane that were that were, that were either side of them. They because when Americans do this kind of thing, they always end up being stereotype characters, don't they? Mm. Complete stereotypes. And, and, and let's be honest, the main ones are you've got the somewhat ditzy kind of self-centered blonde, and you've got the incredibly arrogant, obnoxious male out out of the two. It was it was actually. Well, never mind a character arc. He had more of like a character curly whirly. Mm. The amount of times you hated him, loved him, hated him, loved him. You you, you really were making a curly whirly with him. But the, it was the, it was the old couple that I enjoyed to their to their right, and to their left there was that child that kept asking them questions. What happened next? And the old man steward. And the old man steward, who was who was the funniest character out of all of them. 
Um, it's, it's, I, 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 I really enjoyed it, Paul. I honestly did. I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> but I hated it for those very reasons, because I thought, why are you making an American rom-com? You're better than this. But, no, but I, yeah. Because that's all it was. But it was a better one than an American one. I thought it was far, Slightly. far... I thought it was far, far funnier. I think you'll come out and you're thinking, who's going to be in the American remake? That's what I kept thinking. You know, if, if Julia Roberts had been younger, it would be her <laughs> and uh, Richard Gere 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and again, it was, it was a better made rom-com because they did it and it had more comedy in it. It had it had a degree of vulgarity in it yeah. that, that again American ones don't, and again that's why the American one will be dreadful because they will sanitise it for a, to make it a, a U, so that young girls can go and see it as well because whoever's in it, uh, and so it did have it had a, a bit more to it, but I just kept thinking you know this is not why I watch French cinema. No, I don't I, watch French no. cinema to see an American film. But, but the problem is, I don't watch French cinema to see French cinema. Yeah. That's, a, that, that's, <laughs> that's the difference between the pair. Yeah. I like the minimalist side yeah. and the medium side. I don't like the mood indigo side. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like the divine bell and the butterfly side. Yeah. Whereas, give me this, you know, per, perfect length, an hour and a half. But I'm not, again, just like Wagster, a pleasant enough Sunday afternoon movie. Just kick back, have it on. As soon as it's finished, chuck it in the corner and don't see it for like five years. Job done. Yeah. That's uh, that. That for me, for this, was more than enough. I think know. this will do the art house cinema because I think uh, Mood Indigo and Love in the Air. There's a couple of others that are going to be the big French films shown in Britain this year. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'd recommend it because again, it's not. I, I hated it because it was nice. It yeah. was good, and it had a bit more adult yeah, to it, the rom com yeah. than you would get in an American one. But I just kept thinking, you know, why? Why? Cause... I mean, there's not. There's no two ways about it. The ending was terrible. And I was disappointed. It was American. Well, it was. I was disappointed with that because I, 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 I kind of was surprised with a twist towards the end. And then I thought, oh, right, I really do like this. Let's let's put this up another notch on on the when I tell Paul how how mm. much I enjoyed it compared to the other three. Mm. But then it went right back down a place or two when it came to the taxi going off into the horizon, and he just think, no. I think I, I I I hoped for a different ending, but again. I never it doubt. It, I never doubt. No, you, you can't ever doubt it. But due to the craft, of no, the, that's you wanting that. Due to the craft of the direction, I, I actually I, believe I, for a for a nanosecond it might have happened. Uh, but no, it didn't. No, but even all the other characters. Again, like, any any country's rom com do the same thing. It's the not, man, not just you know. Yeah, the man's best friend, who's who, who fancies this girl, who always wants to sleep with the primary man, never gets round to it. The mother of the woman, <clears throat> I think, could have been better. I just wanted it to be a little bit more twisty and turny, to have a yeah, little yeah. bit of different to it, and it didn't. I thought. Do you not? Do you not? It just was American. You say, I, I'm not for this genre. I'm not so much bothered about quality as such. What I'm bothered about is how little it annoys me. That's what I, <laughs> and that's where we come to the, the American remake that will probably happen, or must certainly happen to this. And that's why I don't like American rom coms, yeah. because they are always incredibly annoying to me. Whereas it, 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 might, it might even be something as banal as this having subtitles. Hey, it won't be the first time I've got that opinion that yeah. a subtitle film, a crap yeah. subtitle film, is better than a crap American film. But you know, I'm sure we're going to do that over the course of the year. But you know, honestly, this for me was it didn't annoy me. Perfectly watchable. Do I want to see it again? Probably not. 
Probably not. Uh, but and again, I, I agree with everything you yeah. say. I, I think I just... But uh, 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 being that French cinema is probably not in your top three genres, yeah. of course you go into any French film wanting to be blown away. Well, um, no, even that, because I think, you know, even like that one we did last year, uh, the stream one, which I can think is... Wandering nice, Streams. Yeah, Wandering Streams. It, had a, it sort of wandered everywhere. A mind-lovingly atrocious film. And, and, <laughs> and this, but the other thing that annoyed me about this one was is that it tried that a couple of times. Like, there's one whole scene, because the, the main woman is an artist, a dreadful artist, <laughs> who they try and make out to be some kind of genius, who does these collages, where she creates collages nice. of, of the thing. Yeah. But there's one scene in the movie where they do that, of the getting off a tram, going into a kitchen, and then to bed, and all of the set... Right, right, yeah. And, and yeah. I thought, that's what I wanted a little bit more yeah. of. Rather than just... because. When it was in there, and actually, the, the, it was quite a random bit. There, there were like there was like three slides of like Kama Sutra positions. Absolutely, yeah. Literally, as as, as like a, a blue slide with a with a Kama Sutra drawing on it, Absolutely. to show that they were obviously having sex. Yeah, but then and and uh, in a way, and you I, didn't see him have sex. And, uh, in a way, I like the fact that we didn't see them because that was interesting. Indeed. You being that you like the art side of the, you would like more of that just well, to make I, it. More... I thought it was. I think if you're going to do it, you need to do it in a way that's like. A bit more, a bit more regular or intense. But by the sense that if you just drop it in once, it's kind of like that was interesting. And then you're looking for it again, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you never get it, or to play with it some other way, and you just didn't get it. There was one bit where the mother was watching the television, and I thought she was watching the story of her daughter yeah. on the te- but it wasn't because then the doorbell rang and then they came in and I thought oh I'm adding that to it right. that I thought would have been quite interesting and I thought if I'm doing that you should have been doing this just just to give it a little bit more of a a kind of an awareness that you're making a rom-com yeah, rather that, than being too strong there's no two ways about it it's it's a safe film made by a director who wanted it to be safe probably a safe director I would guess yeah. Although I'm not too familiar with Alexander Castagnetti. I think the director will go far, and I can see them moving to Hollywood and doing well. Yeah, it, And it, making a fortune on when they buy this one. To make yes, it, it'd yeah. be nice, we should have a competition to, if people can tell us who they think will be in the remake, the American remake. You know, tw- 20 years ago it would have been Meg Ryan and uh, Billy Crystal. This would have been a perfect right. sequel. For Spot on. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so, uh, definitely with you on that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, interesting. I think I think to be brutally honest, all three so far I would recommend. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly, they've got their strengths. Our audiences will be split on what they prefer. Yeah. Do they prefer you know the, the French the, the French that I prefer the kind of the safer kind of sharper writing kind of thing, or would they prefer like the artier side like you, or maybe even both, or maybe even and, neither? Obviously, and it is a, it it's is a, an exquisitely made film. Yeah. It's got a, it looks good, it feels good, the budget's there's, good. It's like a dreamlike quality, isn't absolutely, it? Yeah. absolutely. The lighting is perfect. Everybody looks glorious, and I think you know sometimes you think, yeah, it's nice. Without all the annoying American stereotypes, in the sense of the actual characters themselves, yeah, indeed, not indeed. not in sense of the ending and even the narrative structure, but yeah, yeah. you're not going to get, as I say, your Meg Ryan thing happening in here. It's not too bad. Moving on to my film of the week, then your film, of my the week. film of the week, Computer Chess, um, directed by Andrew Bajowski, and I'm really surprised I didn't find him sooner. I mean, I, I've soon got all of, all of his stuff eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's, he's known as the Godfather of Mumblecore. Which is an interesting name for a genre that he absolutely despises. Um, he, he, he likens it to shoegazy music in the sense that when people hear the term shoegaze, they kind of go, oh, that's going to be pretentious rubbish now. 
Um, basically, what Mumblecore is, it's the American indie version of Dogma. Dogma, of course, being uh, on Tree Vinterberg et al. in Denmark in the 90s, where they decided to tear up the rule book of how to make films and make a whole bunch of films, a good, what, 10 to 12 films, exclusively on handheld cameras with minimalist production values, no music, or if there was music, no licensed music, that was, that was important, etc., etc., um, kind of go against the anti-Hollywood. This is very much anti-Hollywood. Um, I know you like American indie films, uh, with, like the B. You don't show a lot of American B films. Well, I'm growing to hate them. Indeed, you are. I don't blame you. You made me watch one of those last year, and that was atrocious. I've watched them. a couple this week, and you think, why do I keep watching these? No, things? well, never mind American B movies. This is probably American J movie. The budget is that. Basically, this is a it's a mockumentary following a rival computer programming nerd in the 1980s who strived to create the first software capable of beating a human being in, at a chess. This was before the actual incident where it happened, wasn't it? A few years yep. before. Yep. Um, I have to... I mean, this, this is, again... I, I'd actually say pretty much... I'd say all the films this week are quite divisive for our audience and ourselves. Oh, agree. Because this... You, you are either going to love this or you are going to absolutely hate this. I, the problem... The, the reason I love this so much is that... It's exactly what I like, humour-wise. It's so deadpan, it's so incredibly dry, and therefore I found it extremely engaging. There's lots of humour in there, particularly the character Mike Papa George. I mean, the absurdity of his situation in that in, in that building, because there's, there's, there's two separate camps in this hotel, because the chess competition is taking place in a hotel. You've got the computer chess geeks in the one side... And then the other characters that are in there probably could only be described as a sexual health and well-being group. Well, I thought they were a bit of a swingers group. <laughs> and, uh, and they're all older people compared to the younger, Indeed. So nerdy. You've got, you've got the juxtaposition of essentially the nerdy, the nerdy virgins on one side of the hotel and then you've got the amorous adults on the other side. So not only is the film showing the, this actual <laughs> tournament, Computer Chess... It's also showing what happens when these two sets of characters actually start to meet and these two parallel um, lives kind of start to, you know, work together. Um, as I say, I did find it funny, and it is supposed to be a comedy. I'm sure some people won't do. Very minimalist. There's, there's, a, little bit of, there's, there's a little bit of quite clever kind of sneaky technology thrown in there. We're not, we are not talking brutally raw film here, but the acting is raw. Um, there was eight pages of script for the entire film, which comes to about an hour and a half. Uh, Indeed. Eight, eight pages of script for this. Yeah. So there's an awful lot of ad-lib, which I think, actually, to the film's credit, comes across quite well. I think you know that it's being ad-libbed, but it's never awkward. And for me personally, it's not actually crap acting. Mm. I think, particularly with the nerd side, I think that all the guys that were, that, that were brought into acting this film... I actually think they were quite, quite engaging and real to me. Well, I, I, I can tell you're struggling with this. Well, anyway. I think to me the key thing to point out is is, is that it, it's set in the early '80s and it's made with early '80s technology. Basically, like VHS like, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, even Betamax. Betamax. Beta, there's like a film you know, on the screen, isn't there? And it's much. like that the, the, a consumer could use. Yeah. So it's not like quality stuff. It's quite low quality, low tech. And they play with that within within the yeah. scenario as well because they're filming it themselves and it's as if they're filming their own. And I I did like the idea, but it was just too long for me. Yeah. And I think if this had been a forty eight minute kind of hour long TV thing, 
I think I would have enjoyed it a lot more. It just sort of killed it a bit, a bit like Mood Indigo, really, by just being so much about the period yeah. and the technology that they were using to make it. It was black and white, it was grainy, it was narrow screen. Uh, and so I found that a little bit tiresome and it never got out of it to, to actually step back and, and almost look at But there at were it. some scenes in colour. Yes. With Mike Papa George trying to find some money for his mate, yeah. which was an incredibly funny scene of just the same scene repeating <laughs> repeating itself, repeating itself on a loop while somebody was quoting Luke's gospel. So I, did, <laughs> I, so, so I did like it. Yeah. <clears throat> and, but and you I, wanted a bit more of that, though. Yeah, and I think I would have liked a little bit more of stepping back rather than trying... I think it, it, its problem was it was trying to be too realist. Using the technology, everybody dressed hey, like see, that. For me, that I, I will never ever complain that something's too realist because I love realist cinema. You know, it's just <laughs> except it isn't because I'm sure they did play with things. But again, uh, I, again, I think the director was probably having a great time with the technology and playing with it. But yeah, I didn't get that through through the the narrative and the drama. It, it's quite bizarre because I used to watch chess programs in the in the late seventies, early eighties. And, and and again, it reminded me of that, which was quite an affectionate yeah. thing. And, and the clothes and the world championships and, again, the computers coming along. Uh, but it just... There, there was something missing and it just didn't quite grab me. And I think it was that stepping back and not laughing at it, <clears throat> but actually having more affection of it and sort of saying, I'm in them now, like mm. 2014 looking back at that with that affection yeah. rather than just constantly being within it a bit like Mood Indigo it sort of never stepped back and said now let's get it's a very claustrophobic film yeah totally. but, I, but that's that for me was a positive I really like the fact that it yeah. was so set in its ways that it was focusing on the, on the computer and the chess but and then towards the last 40 minutes when the sexual health and well-being <laughs> group again being polite because they are swingers basically yeah. when them two melt together then it kind of goes off into a few other little smaller tangents still within the same hotel you see the same characters but you know again divisive I, I really enjoyed how, how that was you wanted to be a bit more a bit more expansive I, I, I would I would recommend this stronger than any of the others because it is so different and yeah. I'd be really interested in seeing like the split of how because the reviews are literally bang in the middle. There are so many five out of ten, six out of tens, and then there's one or two seven or eights. It, it, it's a film that is for that purpose. It, it, I, I agree with you. I, I think probably all of the films you'll go and you, you will either hate them or think, my goodness me, that was really good. And this is one of those as well. And what, what do, you, do you think? Um, does there's a part? And probably the reason I didn't mind this claustrophobiness with this film was the fact that the guys themselves are completely trapped by their computers, and, and even by the chest to a lesser extent, but mostly the computers. They are so entrapped by it all, they can't escape. So Bajowski is basically saying, look, are, are we not all completely entrapped by technology? And that's where I think he was looking back. Because it was, it was the same in the 80s as it, as it is in 2014. When technology started, the TV, when the first TVs came into living rooms, people soon became entrapped by them. Absolutely. The, when, technology, when technology started to become really good in the 80s mm. and computers would start to be used regularly. The, and that, hence, and you may as well use chess players as the example for this, which is what Bajowski did. These guys, just completely devoted to, the, to their computers. And yet, what I really loved about this film was towards the end, could have done without the fetus on the computer screen thing. That that's when I thought, uh, yeah, you've gone a little bit too far here for that. 
won't go into any more about that. <coughs> people make up their own minds about that. But when when it stopped, when the, when one of the computers broke, all of a sudden everything came crashing down. Yeah, everyone finally just became free from the computer thing, free from the chess thing. And the film ended amazingly quickly after that. And I liked that message. I thought it was a really interesting... We are, the guys are no longer entrapped by their computers. They are completely free from all digitality, which is really interesting. And of course, one of the main characters goes and, goes and maybe does something with one of the people from the sexual and well-being, well-being group. Indeed. So there's... there's I, I really enjoyed this, no, I must I, say. I enjoyed it. I, but again, I, it You'd was like just, to... just a bit too long for me. And I think... It was a bit too long as it was. I think that extra length to give it the feature length thing should have been the stepping back from it trying to be solely yeah. within its own yeah. era. I, I enjoyed, well, I, I enjoyed reading uh, Bajowski's uh, interview on this as well. Mm. Um, I like his honesty when he says, you know, no, no two ways about this. He wants to make a fully fledged Hollywood action movie. Yeah, he wants to. Don't we all? However. He he also wanted to make money, mm. Mm. so he he he's decided to make films like this as opposed to the stuff that he wants to do. Yeah, and that I I I like him for being honest like that. Mm. And for the, I would rather he carry on. Obviously, clearly we, we we prefer him to make this kind of stuff than the than the bloody awful Hollywood action stuff or some of the bloody awful action stuff. Uh, that, but, that I can't but, see this ever getting released in Britain. No, except perhaps on uh, you know. Well, the, well, the, well, the well, well, yeah, the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray, is which out. is a shame. The because, Blu-ray's out yeah. now, actually, uh, is it? Yeah. and uh, for that re- for that reason, um, well, the Blu-ray's a bit right waste. Well, indeed, <laughs> but but you buy it for the extra features. I want more interviews with this man because I I, I do like <laughs> the fact that he's basically knowing that he cannot make an Amer- an American full-out film, he's deliberately making the complete opposite. Yeah, that I, I, that's great for me. Uh, he, well, he, he, might, he might not be entirely happy, but I am. Well, and I, I'm an incredibly selfish individual. In so. a way, it would have been nice if, like, uh, Love is in the Air and the computer chess people had collaborated on each other's films. Right. Because I think it, it, computer chess had what Love, Act, Love is in the Air lacked. Yeah. And, <laughs> and vice versa. That I think in that stepping back from it and playing with it that would have been really useful. But again, I, I'd recommend it. Again, it, it's a bit too long. But I think if you're going to sit at home and you and you and, and equally this you is love what, computers, this is one. Uh, this is one out of all the four we've talked about on this episode. This is one that you have to engage with the most. Yes, you can't sit back totally. and let it happen to you. Totally. Um, so if you're up for that, then you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Whereas Mood Indigo, I think it's the complete opposite, where you yeah. have to disengage it and just let it flow over you. And the other two are Sunday afternoon films. Yeah. So, yeah absolutely. There you go. Let's um, let's start to look back then. If we've, we've tied up the reviews quite nicely, um, looking back, either if somebody dies, we'll look back at something they've done or just their general career. We've also looked back at a series as well. We'll we'll be looking back at the end of every episode, as people know by now. Providing all is being well, I'm going to rotate it. Um, so, Paul, it's your turn this week, and we've talked about it already. What you're going to talk about? So, what would you like to mention about Robert Downey Jr. exactly? Well, he, he's doing a lot of viral stuff at the moment. There's a big thing where he's singing with Sting at Sting's birthday, and he's a cracking singer, rock and roll singer, yeah. and, and that's really impressive. And I thought, well, you know, let's think about Robert Downey Jr.'s career because it is getting on for being a 30-year career. He's he's been he's forty. Is he 48? Uh, something like that. I think he's 48. He looks 58. Mm. 
And he's been working since 1938. <laughs> and he's probably got the organs of a 68-year-old as well. I mean, so. it, the man has got a, discog- a, a filmography, I should say. We're not talking about music here. Yeah. A filmography to... to and, and, he's, and he's still got, if he wants to, he's still got another 20 Absolutely. years. Absolutely. And when you think that his... And a variety of films. His breakthrough star role was Chaplin yeah. in 1991. That's 20. Two, three, four years ago. Now, even that makes me feel uh, is is Never quite amazing. And that was the film that was going to sort of make him a big, big star, and 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 it did to some extent. But the fact, and then he had his problems with drugs when he sort of was in Ally McBeal trying to recuperate his career. Because I think from from sort of two thousand onwards, his career has sort of dipped into a lot of old drivel. Making the occasion, his last great film in that era was Wonder Boys, which was a, a Michael Douglas uh, film about in a university that was really good. But it, it is quite interesting the range of stuff he makes and the way a career can change. So if you look at the last five years since the Iron Man, he's Mr. Action Man, isn't he? All of a sudden, and Iron Man dominates his life he does and, and I, I can see that pushing him back to the bleak side <laughs> if you don't get out of it and make the kind of quality stuff you did before you know he was in Richard III Ian McKellen's Richard III yeah. in 19 that's 20 years ago and that's how much Ian McKellen the British Richard III production saw him as a great actor as a quality actor and now he's back he's doing kind of Iron Man I don't blame but any it, actor. But it, well, no, but even before Iron Man, um, The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk, Sherlock Holmes. The Avengers. Absolutely. All of that. So this this is this is his money-making period, no? Yeah, and I don't have a problem with no, that. No, no, no. But I think not. you can get trapped into making stuff purely for money, 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 because he must be now so rich. He's on what? Sherlock Holmes 3... Uh, Iron Man, probably five, <laughs> in the sense if you include the other right, films he's yeah. appeared in as yeah. Iron Man. And you think, you know, step out of that now and go and do something for free that you really want to do, even if it's because his dad makes these odd little screwball things. Two, that... two parts to this. Do you actually think he wants to do those things? Uh, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, he's, if he kind of thinks, I, you know I, what? No, no, I think he does. No, I think he does. I think he will, and I think he will go back to it, and I think that. Oh, no, I'm not saying he won't growth. go back, but I think he's doing a lot of these of his own free will here. No, I, really I agree because I think you do think I'm going to make as much money as I possibly can, and when people start throwing tens of millions of dollars at you, you know, I, I'm not going to turn it down. No. And why should they? But I think you've got to then step back, and every other film that you make outside of those kind of franchise films. Mm. You've got to make something really interesting for your own sense. Second point: he is a bloody good action man. He is good. Yeah, so, man. That, yes, if he if he was crap at it, I would understand this whole. Oh, will you get back to doing a scanner darkly animated Philip K. Dick novels, please? Yeah. No. Yeah. Why should he if he's doing a good job at it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that's the only point I'm going to make about that side of things. But honest, honest scanner darkly. That's my favourite Robert, Robert Downey Jr. film because that. He he's basically playing himself in that film. He is extremely funny because mm. he's a funny guy. Like whenever yeah, you watch absolutely. him in interviews, he's cracking wisecracks left, right, and centre. Well, that, that that interesting looking him up. He was a Saturday Night Live yeah uh, regular yeah 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 for the 1986 series, which which I hadn't realised because I like, all the great comedians started on Saturday Night Live, and and he was there. If in, you're in if, the you, if you're anyone who's anyone, you've done that, haven't you? 
obviously, uh, you know, as a much. guest star particularly, yeah, yeah. but he was the one of the regulars, and that's quite amazing to think about. Before, before that was after he did Weird Science, which is I think probably the first or I feel, films I saw. That was probably before you were born, wasn't it? What yeah. year were you born? Eighty-seven. Yeah, that's eighty-five. <laughs> God, that's depressing. Uh, <laughs> doesn't stop me checking out the old Fritz Lang movies though from the, from the early days so uh, yeah but you don't want to check out any 80 movies no I certainly dreadful. don't uh, <laughs> so how would you sum up him generally uh, 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 I mean, would you call yourself a fan of him I like, would would you put him in top 10 I, I would because I think if he's in a film other than Iron Man I will check it you go out and watch it, yeah. I will I will check it out I, I even like his uh, Sherlock Holmes I think they're, they're, they're rip roaring adventures he, and he has that sense of humour and he has that glint in his eye he's a man he's a man's man he's got a fantastic he is a man's man he can grow he's a nice, beard yeah. you've got to admire anybody who can grow a beard that well uh, and he's made you say that looking at me <laughs> you cheeky no, I looking, looking at myself uh, I think we're, we're not really good on beers no we're not and I, so. no we're not and he, but he, he's made he's stepped out of it okay. Tropic Thunder I think is Ben Stiller's best yeah. film and trust me that's saying something for Ben Stiller and that's saying something generally because that that's another one that's split hasn't it absolutely some absolutely. people absolutely hated T2 and he does do things he steps out he does music videos he appears in shorts he's done a lot of shorts which I think is to his credit but you like shorts I can't I do like shorts but he's played in Family Guy and all of those kind of things and so I am a big w- fan would of you that. put him in your top five uh, of American actors, yeah, yeah, I think I would. I think I will almost always check out what he's doing and and see it. And I, I, even Iron Man, the first one, all franchises get beaten to death in the end, and so you give up on that. Interesting that franchises that start off great have a dip and then come back with a vengeance, which is what Iron Man three did. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. And, and, and I think he's got a couple of films that are coming out: Hank Palmer, Chef that uh, I will look at. I even like Due Date with uh, Zach Galifianakis, uh, who, who I do like. But again, you get the same thing, Hangover, got trapped in a franchise there that, that turned a bit crap. But, I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Robert Downey Jr. and I, I wish him well and I hope he doesn't fall back into his old ways like uh, Seymour Hoffman did. But I, no, I, I, I'm a big, big fan. And on that note, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, to, uh, thank you to you, Paul, and thank you to all of you for downloading us. We'll be back, maybe with a special soon. If not, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for now.